So the awakened attention, relaxed attention, there's nothing to do, nothing to become. This kind of reflection helps to see, to put into perspective this sense of there's something to do. This is how, you know, the bhavadana, vipavadana, the desire to work. There's always something to get, something you don't have that you've got to get, or something you have that you shouldn't, you've got to get rid of it. The meditation can be just another exercise in bhavadana, vipavadana, if you're not developing awareness, you don't know yourself, then you tend to try to get things from it or get rid of, get rid of bad thoughts, bad habits, and uh, become a sotapanna or an enlightened being or whatever. So this, uh, notice this energy, this uh, this kind of upset, a compulsive feeling that there's something I've got to get. It's a, uh, you know, coming from uh, from competitive societies, goal-oriented societies, and this is this part of the cultural conditioning that we all have. The just the obsession of the mind, something I've got to get, achieve or attain. And then there's all these other, these faults and habits that are getting in the way. I've got to get rid of them. So I found the reflection, nothing to do, nowhere to go, quite kind of restful and relaxing. Because this was very much a problem I had, of this compulsive feeling of there's something I've got to do get samadhi, or jhanas, or stages, and on and on like this. Uh, like the uh, Samana life, these dasadama reflections, being content, grateful, reflective. And, you know, so you're, you're developing qualities that, uh, you know, not asking for very much, content with the four requisites. Good enough. You don't. You don't have to have the best. Gratitude. Katanyu gatavaiti for what what is offered, what is given, rather than complaining or grudging or envying somebody else. Or and even though we tend to do this personally, this uh, this awareness begin to notice that this this that our samana life is one of it's humbling it's not doesn't make us into somebody important or we're not here to to perpetuate oneself or g- demand things from the world so we we live on faith sanda and and uh, in the goodness of the generosity of people. And you can see like, how generous people are. 
here at Amravati. Well supported, people are incredibly generous, uh, encouraging us to practice. So this is how to enjoy the life. The monastic life it can't be enjoyed if it's if it's done from a worldly perspective. You know, it's, it's grudging, jealousy, envy, grumbling. If you have high standards and and uh, ideals of how things should be, you know, living in community is is uh, it's always somebody you know doesn't fit in. Like I give these uh, classes for Anagarikas and Samaneras and there's always somebody not there. And you think, you know, you give these classes and you think, I wish everybody would be there. And then there's always somebody not there. And I think, why can't they be there? They're discontented. <laughs> wanting wanting uh, people to be on time or you know, wanting something from them or feeling frustrated or irritated by community life. Is this is to be, you know, to be observed and to be to see as a mental state rather than something to suppress or indulge in. And then this sense of contentment for what is offered what we do have I train myself just to be uh, you know with with Anapanasati just one inhalation when I was into trying to get jhanas I'd work really hard really you know willful dedicated approach to meditation and I just drove myself crazy you know trying to get get what I felt I, I should be able to get. And then it more, as I began to see what I was doing, then one inhalation, good enough. Mind wanders, one inhalation, think about this, that, and, and then suddenly I see wandering mind, go back, exhalation. You know, that's very, it sounds almost like you're becoming an idiot. But it is a way of of, con of recognizing the value of contentment rather than being a successful samadhi practitioner or, uh, you know, really good at meditating, a meditation master or an authority on Pali and Buddhism and somebody that, you know, is has really gotten somewhere. You know, this is... Uh, it's more like it's contentment with very with with whatever is. Doesn't mean that we like and approve and uh, of everything that is, but it's good enough. On the on the world of level of conditionality of quality in that. So then our practice is is like let relaxing, letting go. Gratitude helps, you know, it opens the heart. You feel the lo lovely quality of being an alms mendicant is that people are, you know, generous 
They want us to be enlightened. They, they want to support and help us. So the lay community here in England and Thailand, Sri Lanka, they, they want to, they want us to be free from suffering. They want to give us the, the requisites. And so this is, this is a way of reflecting, is uh, with our life depends on the kind heart, good generosity of others. When you really contemplate that reflection, it's a kind of joyful feeling that arises because in the all the years I've been a monk, you know, I've been well supported here in, uh, in Thailand, here in England. There's a there's been a you know tremendous interest in my uh, spiritual development, supporting it, respecting it. So the holy life is a is a joyful one. If it's you know if you if you see the the suffering we create by bawadanha vipawadanha. Second noble truth, gamadanha course, sense, desire, wanting uh, some, somebody to be some other way. You know, the members of the community, you, you think they shouldn't be the way they are. Or you see yourself, you shouldn't be the kind of person you think you are. Or the gender problem, I mean, women are like this, nuns like this, monks like this, men, women, and we complain and and uh, criticize each other. Is that you know this is grumbling, complaining about the age-old problems of male-female. Should be, shouldn't be. And so this makes our life quite unhappy. You know when we get caught up in the grumbling, complaining mind. Because it's always something to grumble about, and uh, that's the samsara. It's it's a place to you know where grumbling is is the uh, way one lives. One can always imagine it better, and there's always something you don't like: snake in the garden, worm in the apple, fly in the ointment. So this awareness of that, you know this. The, the condition is, uh, is com you know, comparing one thing with another is going to always feel something's better or worse or, you know, that, that's the nature of conditioned phenomena. It's not all the same. You can't just manufacture everything, uh, you know, and uh, so it, it's all the same. You know, we would hate that. if. You know, if we were all looked exactly alike, and like we were, you know, tin soldiers manufactured in China, we'd complain about that, wouldn't we? And then we complain because there's two genders, and they're different. They, act, they react differently in many ways. And we complain because there's seniority. 
you know, hierarchy, and uh, there's seniority, and then there's senior, junior, and then there's novices and postulants, lay people, I don't know, like that. So there's always something, you know, is don't like this, don't like that. And they complain about the weather. <laughs> and this is, I've a, I determined, well, when I was in Thailand years ago, and you know, I could see this when I first went to stay at Wat Pa Pong with Ajahn Chah, you know, because so many things, I felt frustrated because of the, you know, trying to fit in and learn how to live the life, and and I started grumbling a lot, you know, and just and I began to listen to this, you know, this unpleasantness in me. In the navy, I was in the navy for four years, and and um, it was an interesting experience. From age I was nineteen years old to twenty-three. And uh, in the in the military, um, you you crumble all the time. It's called bitching, and so you you're never grateful. You never develop gratitude, appreciation for anything. It's always bitching about this, complaining, grumbling. So you uh, you know and you. Is whatever happens, you know, whatever, you know, the food or the, you end up four years of incessant, unrelenting, unmitigated bitching. So uh, after coming out of the military, I had developed this very bad habit. You know, just, you know, just it became habitual way of just relating to life and and talking to others. Socializing and starting to complain about things. I wasn't so much that way before I went in, but at four years of you know intense complaining, <laughs> and so uh, that's the, what I got out of the military. And you know to think that there was anything good about the military. Actually, you know, they uh, you got they gave you everything. You know, you had you know everything you needed, and actually had quite a good time. Was at a, a time where there was nothing happening. I've been very lucky that way. The Korean War ended when I was the first year, so I didn't have to participate in that, and then. Uh, for the next four years, n n there were no wars, so so I, uh, I got away without any any of the uh, unpleasant, miserable side of of military life. Then, so that that habit developed, and and also the society is one like that middle class type of mentality, envying and. Uh, Others, and so you you know seeing oh you know what's wrong with everything. So uh, and then going becoming a monk in Thailand, then this 
this this of course was uh, part of the way I I lived life was complaining about it, and so it was in the in the first year of living at Wat Papong I began to see this, really, see the suffering of this negative state, and, the, and then the, the because of the reflect monastic reflections like on the four requisites. I started looking at it in a different way rather than just complaining because I didn't like this to see the point of that or whatever. I began to think of the, of the you know, people offering food every day. Sometimes you're living in, in uh, very kind of poverty-stricken areas, you know, where the food wasn't all that great, you know, in terms of what kind of food you you would lie, but you are reflecting on the on the generosity because poor people are very generous in Thailand. And what they do have, they're quite, uh, you know, very very generous with with what they do have, and they try to give you their very best. So this touches the heart. You feel with a sense of you know, why should they do that? You know what? You know I'm a foreigner. Why should they? put so much effort in trying to support a foreigner. That's how, you know, I would start reflecting. So this is, uh, and then you began to, I began to feel a sense of a real gratitude. And, and that gratitude is, uh, it opens you up. It opens me up from this, just this selfish, intense, you know, trying to get things Trying to use the system, get as much out of the system as I can. I can, you know, get my samadhi and my enlightenment, and uh, and that that attitude was, you know, it was was not a, didn't lead towards peace, towards calm, towards joy or happiness. It's compulsive drive to attain and achieve is not a peaceful place. It's not something that that brings joy to one's life. So even here, like on a Sunday, you can see like yesterday, the, all the people that come to offer. Well, that, to me, that's a very joyful thing to see. The people, uh, you know, they bring, they prepare, spend a lot of money preparing food and so that it is the best kind of food that they can offer. Things like this, then you feel this, this sense of joy and appreciation, love for for the Buddhist community and for their generosity. This is heart-opening experience. And if you think, oh, too noisy, I can't stand uh, all the noise, all the people, no, no, grumble, grumble. This is not, doesn't lead onward towards, towards uh, peace and happiness, towards enjoying the life. And just thinking, I want, I don't want this, I don't want all these people around, noise, children running, too many, it just upsets me. I get upset by that. So we, you know, we believe that we have to have we, we don't tune in, we just get caught in complaining. 
So listen to this complaining, you know, this, this grumbling, resentment. And is this what you want to be? You know, this, you know, I used to ask myself, do I want to be reborn as this grump, this grumbling person? You know, in Thailand, I started grumbling and I think, you know, if, if I keep doing this, I'm going to be reborn. I'm going to spend another lifetime grumbling. And do I want to, to be, you know, a gr spend my life just complaining and grumbling about everything? So then I, no, no, I don't want to do that. The last thing I want, I want to be free from grumbling. So just by seeing the, seeing this, uh, this unpleasant mental state I create over things, over the samsara, why can't the samsara be perfect? You know, like the ideals I have of how it should be. Why can't people be the way I think they should be? You know, why can't they be on time? Why can't they be considerate and sensitive? And, and why do they have to be selfish and self-centered? Why does the weather have to be... <laughs> you know, complain about the weather in England. Or, you know, if in Thailand, complain too hot, and it's too cold, and whatever. So this, this grumbling, complaining, you know, there's always something, you're comparing it with something else. Listen to it, not to try to say you shouldn't grumble or complain, be happy with everything. That's not what I'm saying. It's just learning to tune in to what brings peace and calm and joy, and what brings misery and uh, anger and resentment. And this you have to, you know, it's not some, you're not blaming external conditions, but you're looking at, you know, how you, you know, how you think, your, your emotional habits. But not to criticize, but to examine, you know, to, to be caught in resentment, complaining, envy, uh, is like this. And then I, you know, this, this is not a, when I, when I, when I do this, when I complain or resent or grumble, it, it isn't, you know, it's, it's, uh, it makes me, my life very unhappy, dreary, where the monastic life can be very joyful, you know, when we begin to develop these, this, uh, samana sanya, or in reflecting on developing katanyu or gratitude, contentment with little, grateful for what is offered, uh, being, you know, not being ambitious to attain, but being having that that kind of confidence and trust in being aware of these tendencies, not to criticize them, but to just recognize them, and the result of attachment trying to cling to them, or just trying to suppress them. And trying to make yourself into somebody who's content and grateful is not, is not what I'm saying. If you can't do it, it's not something that you can willfully make yourself. I'm so grateful for everything and content as, as just a willful act. But it does come through reflection and observing the way, you know, what attachment does, clinging to 
desire to gamadana, bhavadana, vipavadana. I remember in in uh, when I was uh, when we started Wat Nana Chat in Thailand, and uh, I was quite idealistic because at that time Wat Bapong was was developing into. When I went there, in the, in the Wat Bapong is just very a kind of primitive place. You know, there was no electricity or anything. It just just well water, there was no kind of mains water, and the kutis were very primitive. And so I, you know, this is this filled, fulfilled my ideal. I quite liked that. And then um, by the time we started Wat Nana Chat, Wat Bapong was becoming quite well supported and wealthy, and so they started building nicer kutis and and the building a temple and uh, on and on like this. So I, I thought I'm going on a chat. I'm just going to show everybody how propfrungs, Western monks, can live. You know, so I just wanted little bamboo huts and things like this. So you know, be content with the very ba- basic uh, things. So. You know, after my, they built me a bamboo hut, the villagers, and out of uh, you know, the, and it had a grass roof, bamboo sides, and planks on the floor that were just throwaways from the village. So it was like a, you know, it, was, it suited my ideals. This hut, but then I couldn't get them to build any more of them, because people didn't want to build bamboo huts; they wanted to build. You know, use uh, like corrugated tin roofs and cement pillars and things like this. And I was against. I was so idealistic. I was against this. So, <laughs> so I'm just trying to force that. You know, to get the villagers to make grass roofs. Well, it takes a lot of time. You know, and and it's easier for them to go buy um, tin roofs, corrugated tin roofs, things like this. And even though. You know, one. You know, they last longer. Grass roofs don't last all that long. So anyway, I had to give in to just what is practical. So then, when I left Nana Chart to come in to England, you know, the Ajahn, I think Ajahn Jakro, he he built a really nice kuti for himself. And so, and I went back and said, it's very nice kuti. I said, I've never had a really nice kuti ever. And I began to envy. And then, then the head monks of various branch monasteries started building the posh kutis and things. <laughs> and uh, and I found myself longing for a, for a really nice kuti. So then I I let go of that. And then here in uh, England, I remember moving to Chithurst, and it's such a derelict house that you know I had to share share a room with Ajahn Birdamo first year in the in the old house, and then when there's this little room, I think it's number nine now, tiny little room, and I finally 
got hold of that one because I could be by myself. Didn't have to share. It's too small to share it with anyone else. <laughs> and that was real luxury. And then the then the granary where Ajahn Sajito lives now was that was derelict and they they rebuilt they they managed to before they built the the uh, where the pig pigsty is now it's quite smart looking residence but they just made it livable so and that was increasing you know kind of I had my own cootie separate from the rest but these things more or less happened they weren't you know, like me promoting it in any way. So, so it, uh, just one thing led on to another. And then coming to Amravati, and then I used to live in this, well, I had, at first they put me, what is, what do we now call the Chaokun suite, where Ajanyana Rato is staying. And that was the nicest room in the bhikkhus part of the, Monastery, so I got that. Had my own uh, bathroom, but then I felt that was too extravagant. So I moved into another little room in a place where nobody wanted to live. In the building that is where the temple is now, that's been demolished, and was there for nine years, and uh, and then gradually. Moved into a gypsy caravan and then into the posh cootie I have now. <laughs> I mean, this is, a, this is just a thing of how, and I never asked for any of these things. It's just a way of, of you know, how things move and flow. So it is, you know, one appreciates such, such like it's not, I'm not idealistic anymore. I'm uh, grateful for what is offered. But this is, uh, you know, the 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 reflection on, uh, uh, you know, the four requisites: shelter for the night, or food in the alms bowl, or bung the cooler cloth. So what is uh, given, or cloth that is thrown away? Um, medical things like the 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 around uh, being appreciative for what is offered medically because we have very good uh, medical opportunities here in Britain. We don't have to just live on fermented cow's urine like we might have to if, if there was no national health <laughs> and nobody was very generous here. <laughs> so uh, these are, I mean, the the standards, the four requisites are always at the kind of lowest possible standard. Rags for robes, uh, food that people offer, whatever's dropped into your alms bowl, shelter for the night, root of a tree, or, or uh, fermented urine. These are, they're put on this very low, very low level. And we always get better than that. So, so you know, this is the way to to reflect, to see that, you know, we have this, this reflection on, you know, this very basic allowance, you know, of what, what is necessary for survival. But notice how people are always offering much better things than, you know, we get nice cloth for robes and 
people, you know, to, nice places to live in, good food and and medis, medical uh, treatment. So this is this is a way to develop a katanyu or gratitude. This sense of of you know appreciation for for the generosity, and then what is offered the teaching the dhamma the vinaya the tradition this is offered you know so that uh, freely it's not you don't have to pay for it or anything like this so it's it is made available offered freely. So this way, you know, one begins, this is to develop these, these beautiful qualities of the samana. And of course this is, uh, leads towards understanding. Because if you're, if you're caught in just grumbling and resenting and complaining and being irritated without awareness, then uh, it is, you know, how, how, who wants, you know, your life is whatever you're doing, whether, you know, how wealthy you are, whatever. If that's your way of relating to life, it's a miserable miserable life you're going to experience. If you have a beautiful house and big car and everything, you still grumble and envy and resent and that. It's the, your life is still miserable no matter what. Because those are miserable mental states. To be resentful and envious without being able to see them. You know, believing it, that life somehow should be different and I'm not getting what I deserve out of this. Now this is quite important, you know, to, because if without this, without this contentment and gratitude, then Monastic life's not going to be any different than anything else. You know, getting into the rat race can be just another kind of rat race. Grumbling, complaining, discontentment, envy. Um, will arise in, the, in whatever you're doing, you know, if you can't, if you don't see them and see the result of grasping those, those tendencies. So in terms of the Sakyaditi Silabhata Baramasa Vichikecha, that's, you know, the, these are, it's seeing that in, in oneself, like my grumbling, wanting, you know, like, like say the uh, uh, bamboo hut ideal, and then feeling frustrated and annoyed with the people because they wouldn't they wouldn't support that, and then feeling you know uh, and then wanting not wanting to have uh, cement pillars on on uh, your cooties and and tin roofs. I wanted you know I wanted I was a kind of arrogant or conceit uh, you know I wanted to show people you know. Foreign monks, we don't need uh, high quality. We we're quite content with just these very primitive structures. And I had a you know kind of conceit and arrogance that I was going to show the ties. You know, come from wealthy country like the United States, and I can live 
you know, in this very primitive way. Like in the scriptures and things like this. It was full of conceit, isn't it? So one be, can be a conceited alms mendicant. You know, thinking, I'm content with the root of a tree, but, you know, Ajahn Sumedho lives in that little chalet there with a swimming pool. <laughs> I'm content with just root of a tree. And, uh, and so this is, <laughs> you know, this is, you know, it's still conceit, isn't it? Sakya Ditti. So this, uh, it's knowing of this, this awareness, sati sampachanya, and the result of attachment. So to have the idea you shouldn't be attached to anything is, is another ideal. But in investigating Dhamma, you're, you're looking at the result. When I'm attached to anything, I'm suffering. And I, and I test this over and over throughout my life, just what, if I'm miserable about something, it's because I'm attached to something. And uh, so I, I said, what is it I'm attached to? You know, so you, you kind of investigate, self-inquiry and whatnot, you know, and to observe this wanting something you don't have, not wanting things to be the way they are, Then the seeing the suffering caused to attachment, then the letting go, releasing yourself from that. And this is where the the cultivation, the bhavana really happens. You know, it's a very it's like you're becoming really stupid in a way. You know, trying to get get your well, manipulate the system to get all the best out of it. Instead, you're going the opposite direction. One inhalation, exhalation, content. And, you know, it's like tra training yourself to be very, to just be pleased with whatever, you know, rather than uh, highly motivated to attain and achieve and become. To revolutionize and change and make everything better and better. Or to become a bit stupid, you know, like one inhalation, exhalation. But in that, in that, that kind of contentment and simplicity, there's, there's joy in life in the human realm, and the realm we experience, you know, uh, joyfulness and gratitude, contentment, think qualities that that are, you know, quite beautiful to and and stable. You know, they're not because they they give us a foundation where the where the sakya deity is always, you know, thinking, you know, comparing and wanting something or not wanting something, resenting things. So Sakya Ditti Silabhata Bharamasa Wichikicha, there's a, to be known, you know, these, these are fetters only if you're clinging to them. 
When you're just aware of them, then they're Dhamma. So, you know, you can have these tendencies full of conceit and and willful selfishness and whatever, but it's all right. You know, nothing. It's just letting go of it. Not and letting go doesn't mean you're you're you know you're you're uh, attacking it with aversion because that's another form of desire, isn't it? You recognize it. You know, the suffering, the dukkha that you create out of your attachment, out of your clinging. So then you, you know, you prove this to yourself. So certainly when there's non-attachment, then there's no suffering. So this discerning, and to discern the panya, ability to discern suffering is like this, non-suffering is like this. Attaching to conditions, wanting them to or to hold on to them, to get rid of them, to whatever, then this is wanting something, not wanting things to be the way they are, wanting things to change the way I think they should be. Wanting something I don't have is like this. Not wanting, non-desiring is like this. It's the discerning the difference, you know. You, which way, which way do you want to go? Do you want to go and create more suffering or non-suffering? Which, uh, which you know, you discern the result of attachment and the result of non-attachment. So this is what panya is. You know, it's not, it's not discriminating. It's not saying that that non-attachment is better than attachment. That's what we do when we start thinking about it. But non-attachment's like this. You're discerning the, the, the reality of non-attachment is like this. And attachment to conditions is like this. Or self, you know, sakya ditti, being full of myself and my views and opinions is like this. And non-self is like this. Now we might think, well, non-self is better than self. But that, this, that's not it. That's not discerning. That's criticizing. That's going back into saying one thing is better than another. And so this is, you know, the way of discernment or panya is you see for yourself what the causes and the uh, of suffering. And you you can see this and you can recognize non-suffering. You realize non-suffering. So when you realize non-suffering, then, then you don't, you, you know a way out of, you're not just stuck in, in this uh, sangsaric vortex, in the whirlpool of desires and change and so forth. But until you discern non-suffering, non-self, Till you recognize it, then then we are we're stuck into this, into the samsara or the this uh, condition, uh, the conditioning. We have no perspective on it. We just get thrown about into it. No no way no way you can get out of it except through awareness. So then there is the unborn, uncreated, unformed, unoriginated. 
And because there is the uncreated, unconditioned, unborn, unoriginated, there is escape from the born, the created, the form, the originated. So there is, a, so this is a statement in the scripture, there is the unborn, uncreated. Now, is this reflecting on that? To me, that's a great statement. Because there is, you know, you're not, we're not hopelessly trapped victims of, of being born and without any way of uh, being free from, from the suffering of change and, and habits and desires that, that we have. So there is a way, there's escape, and that is real, realizing, recognizing the unborn, uncreated, unconditioned, unformed. So then recognizing it is sati sampachanya, isn't it? Sati panya, mindfulness. So there is the unborn, uncreated, it's this. And there is escape from the born, the created, the form. And so this is like discerning the difference, knowing, you know, attachment to the form, the created, is like this. Non-attachment is like this. That's Nibbana. Nibbana is a, is a reality of non-attachment to conditions. It's not annihilating condition phenomena. It's not destroying samsara and annihilating conditions because they're so horrible and only lead to suffering. It's recognizing, discerning. And so like this Four Noble Truths is, is like it's a exercise in discernment. It helps you you know, not to take stands for and against anything, but to realize what, you know, recognize the unborn, uncreated. It's real. It's not, not a fantasy. It's not an ideal. And so this reality then is recognized and then cultivated. And they cultivated it, or bhavana through one's uh, daily life. 